The Fields of Home by Ralph Moody, University of Nebraska Press, 1953, Chapter 5, Snath and Scythe. Thank you, Lord, for this day of Thanksgiving that we get to celebrate and to remember your goodness to us in this nation, in this state, in this community, in this family. I give you thanks that we were able to uh, celebrate together in Jesus' name. Amen. I could hardly wait to get into the field so I could show Grandfather that I really knew something about haying. It worked just exactly backwards. Instead of letting me run the mowing machine, he told me to take the snath and scythe and cut hay out from under the apple trees. I might just as well have been trying to cut it with a broom as with a scythe. On the first swing, I ran the edge of the blade along a hidden rock, and then it wouldn't cut worth a cent. To see Father swinging a scythe, it had looked to be the easiest thing in the world to do. The scythe went back and forth like a clock pendulum and left stubble two or three inches high. For me, it was like trying to swing a dog by his tail. The crooked handle wobbled around in my hands, and the blade either stuck in the ground or just tore the heads off the hay. The stubble looked the same way my brother Philip's hair did the first time I tried to cut it. We started in the corner of the orchard, near the gap in the stone wall. As soon as Grandfather had told me what to do, he let the cutter bar on the mowing machine down and hollered, Get up! Get up! to the horses. The yellow colt started off on his hind legs, the gear screeched, and the sickle pounded back and forth in the cutter bar like a broken piston on a steam engine. I watched them make the first 50 yards before I tried the scythe. The three broken knife sections on the machine didn't cut at all, just tore the grass and left it lying in snaky lines on the ground. The yellow colt was still jumping like a rat, rabbit when they went out of sight behind a tree, and every time he jumped, they left a patch of dragged down hay. Above the racket of the machine, gravid father was shouting, Tarnal fool colt, settle down, settle down, I tell you. The orchard wasn't more than 10 acres, but it was half an hour before grandfather got around it the first time. He stopped the mowing machine just beyond the tree I was trying to mow under and hollered, What in the name of creation be you trying to do? I never tried one to use one of these things before, I told him, and I haven't got the hang of it yet. Gory sakes alive, he said as he came toward me. You might have et it off ever even or with your teeth. Why, you ain't got the amount of sense the Almighty gives to hens. I was mad enough at myself for not being able to handle the scythe to do what I wanted it to do, and when Grandfather said that, I couldn't help boiling over. It just looks it looks just about as bad as a swath you've cut, doesn't it? I shouted back. Only you had a machine to do it for you. Then I hooked the scythe on a limb and started to walk away. Grandfather's voice dropped right down. Gory sakes alive, Ralphie, he said. Tain't no fault of yourn. I don't calculate that you ain't been learned of nothing. Here, let your old grandpa show you how to swing a snath and scythe. Pass me the whetstone. <clears throat> You'd have thought Grandfather's wrist and elbow were on ball bearings. There wasn't more than two inches on the whetstone sticking up out of his fist, but he swiped it forward and backward along both sides of the scythe edge so fast my eye couldn't follow his hand. And at every stroke, he stoned the blade from heel to point. After about a minute, he ran his thumb the length of his blade and said, There, there, by gory Ralphie. Now we'll see what kind of logs makes wide shingles. Grandfather slipped the broken, the broken stone into his pocket, grasped the hand grips of the snath, and had the scythe swinging as he brought it down. Little as he was, he kept it in perfect balance as he swung the long blade, and he made it whistle each time it swept forward through the grass. Closely as I watched him, I never saw a jerk or pull anywhere. The ground was littered with stones. Some of them were as big as my head. 
and the scythe rode over every one without touching him. When he'd gone eight or ten feet, he stopped and held the scythe out toward me. There you be, Ralphie, he said. Ain't nothing to it except to watch out for rocks. Tarnal hard to see some of them where the grass is rank. Now, let your old grandpa see you swing it. I did a little better after that, but not very well. For the next half hour, grandfather alternated between scolding me for being awkward and telling me I was beginning to get the hang of it. Then he went back to the mowing machine. It was out of my sight when I heard grandfather shouting and thought he must be in bad trouble. I went running over there as fast as I could, and when I got to where I could see them, he was pulling at the buckskin's bridle and shouting into his face, Get up! Get up, you fool colt! What ails you? Get up, I tell you! Grandfather dropped the bridle rein when I came running up and said, Might just as leave it, unhitch him, tarnal stubborn critter. Ain't every man this side of the Androscoggin River can make him pull once he gets his head sought on balking. One of the men I worked for in Colorado was an expert with balking, balky horses. I didn't know all the tricks, but I'd learned enough of them that I never had much trouble with his horses, and I was sure I wouldn't have any trouble with the yellow colt. Let me try him, I said to Grandfather, and reached for a piece of thin wire that was twisted around one of the old horse's traces. Stand back! Stand back! Grandfather shouted at me. For aught I know, he'll commence having one of his cat fits any minute now. As if the yellow colt had understood him, he began shaking his head and slatting around. Whoa, Colty, whoa, whoa, Grandfather shouted as if the horse had been a mile away. Unhitch old Nell quick, Ralphie, whilst I loose the colt. Look lively afore he staves the whole shooting match to smithereens. Ain't nothing to do now but fetch him back to the barn. That was the end of our haying for the day. As soon as the horses were unharnessed and in their stalls, Grandfather set me to sawing firewood with a buck saw and went down to do something around the beehives. I didn't see a thing of Millie all afternoon. But my dirty clothes had been washed and were hanging on the clothesline. It was nearly sunset, and I was as hungry as a coyote when Grandfather called. Leave be, Ralphie. I and you'll go fetch the cows. He came climbing up over the yard wall, looked at the pile of wood I'd sawed, and said, Gory sakes, ain't half bad for a boy that don't know no more than you do about farming. Ralphie, calculate your old grandpa can make a man out of you yet. Did Charlie learn you to handle a bucksaw? Yes, sir, I said. Father taught me to do quite a few things, and I've learned a little bit from other men, too. Poor boy, poor boy, shame they didn't learn you nothing worth while accepting the saw wood. Oh, well, what's the odds? You're still young enough, and your old grandpa will learn you. Most of the way out through the fields, he kept pointing this or that spot out to me and telling me long stories about what had happened there when his father first took the land up from the wilderness, but I didn't pay any attention to it. I'd been told enough that day, mostly about what a fool boy I was and what old my old grandpa was going to learn me, and I didn't want to hear any more. I told myself that I'd stay there till the hay was in if it killed me, but I'd let him do his learning to somebody else. I'd worked for plenty of ranchers and for market gardeners too. Any one of them would hire me again, and none of them had ever yelled at me or called me a fool boy. The men, the, men the last fork full of hay was in the barn, I'd start for Colorado. All the way up the long hill beside the orchard, I kept thinking about the people I'd go see as soon as I got back to Colorado, and Grandfather kept on talking. Old Bess was walking along beside him, and he might just as well have been doing his talking to her. To me, it was just sound, like brook water makes in running over stones. At the top of the orchard, he took hold of my arm and pointed toward a field of spindly hay that stretched across the crown of the hill. Curious, he said, the high field yonder. Father and my half-brother cleared it afore ever I was born. Take heed the wall here. Nary stone bigger than a sweet pumpkin. 
mark them little cobbles amongst the hay. Millions of them, no bigger than a goose egg. I calculate they draw heat from the sun. First feel in 20 miles roundabouts to thaw in the spring and last to freeze up in the fall. Late and early frost never touches them. I'd heard what he said, but I was still thinking about call Colorado and said, too bad it isn't richer ground. Grandfather jerked his head, hand off my arm and snapped. Ain't nothing wrong with the soil. Who said there was? Plenty of good cow dressing in that little field would grow two tons of good Timothy hay. I didn't mean that I thought there was anything wrong with it, I said. And I didn't know very much about dressing. Hmm. Don't know much about nothing worthwhile. Well, I know about strawberries and tomatoes, I said. What do you know about them? How to eat them? Yes, I said. I know how to eat them. And I worked for a man in Colorado who knew how to raise them. He had a high, warm field for them, and he always got the highest prices because of strawberries and tomatoes were the first one to ripen in the hmph, hmph, strawberries, Grandfather exploded. Time and tarnation, tomatoes and strawberries, garden sass, garden sass. Why in thunderation didn't somebody learn you something worthwhile? They did, I snapped back before I could catch myself. Mind your manners, Grandfather shouted. Then he reached out and took hold of my arm again, but didn't take hold the heart. Poor Boy, poor Ralphie, he said. Tarnal shame to let a boy grow up so know nothing. Your old grandpa will learn you. No, Ralphie, no. This here is hay soil. Taint good for nothing else. Glory sakes, we better fetch the cows in afore Millie's supper gets cold. Ain't no living with her when her victuals gets cold. We've been walking among or along the brow of the hill where it dipped away eastward toward Lisbon Valley. The crown of the hill was to the westward, and as we passed it, I noticed a few cows and calves standing at a pasture gate beyond. Grandfather slipped one arm inside mine. Ralphie, he said, your old grandpa's powerful glad to have you here. The land's been a-crying for young hands. I'd done the best I could after Frankie went off to Portland to learn a trade. But I and old Bess was all alone. Levi, off a homestead in Dakota. The big barn burning flat to the ground. The malaria keeping me abed half the time. I catched it whilst I was off to the war. Seems like it bothers me a sight worse since I lost your grandma. Kind of had hopes when Mary would. Maybe her and Charlie would come home to the old place to rear their family. I and your father could have cleared a power of land. I and you will clear a power of it yet. Ralphie, soon as ever I learn you to be a farmer. Father was older than I, before ever I was born. But he learned me all there is to know about the land. Poor boy. Poor Ralphie. Your old grandpa will learn you to be a worthwhile man. When he first started talking, I wanted to squeeze his arm against me a little, but before he was through, I'd taken mine off his and moved far enough away that he couldn't put it back. We were nearly to the pasture gate, and four cows were waiting there. It was easy to see that they were old, they were all milch cows, and not very good ones. Three of them had pretty good-sized calves running with them, and the fourth had her head over the bars, bellowing. So, I wouldn't act as peeved at, at Grandfather as I felt, I said. Don't you just take the Holsteins in for milking? No, take them all in, Grandpa, Grandfather said grumpily. Then, as I let the bars down, he and Old Bess stood beside the gatepost. As each cow passed him, he put a hand on her or patted her and called her by name. Even Clarabelle, the Holstein without a calf, stopped long enough for him to scratch the tuft of hair between her horns before she hurried off down the lane. Next was Jessie, a thin old jersey with a fat heifer calf, Spotty, a Durham with a steer calf, three or four months old, and Marty, or Marthy, just a nice old brown cow with a heifer calf that looked like a jersey. As we started to follow them down the lane, I said, the nights don't get very cold here at this time of year, do they? 
Grandfather seemed to have forgotten all about the cows. The thumb of one hand was hooked around the finger of the other behind him as his head was down, and he leaned a little forward from the hips as he stumped along. No, he said after a little while. Then, after a few more steps, why? Well, I said, I wondered why you didn't leave the cows with calves in the pasture at night. There aren't any coyotes or wolves to bother them, are there? Grandfather stopped and looked up at me as though he didn't believe anybody could ask such a foolish question. Gory sakes alive, boy, he said at last. Don't you know nothing? How'd you raise crops without cow manure? You got to take them in to save the dressing. They raise pretty good crops in Colorado if they have enough irrigation water and they don't put cow manure on the fields, I told him. We put horse manure under our first potatoes on the ranch and they went all to tops. Humph, tarnal fools, horse manures for hay. Then he put his head down and he didn't say another word till we were at the barn. Millie had made a Johnny cake to go with the fried pork and boiled potatoes for supper, and we had some of the cake I hadn't had a chance to try at noon, but the tea was terrible. I t it tasted as if it had been made by boiling musty alfalfa, and it was so strong you couldn't see the spoon handle under the surface. She and Grandfather put milk and sugar in theirs. I tried it, but it was still as bitter as quinine. Then, though I didn't mean to, I must have made a face when I tasted it, because the only thing Millie said to me all through supper was, don't be so devilish finicky about your victuals. There's worse where there's none. Grandfather didn't eat anything but a piece of cake and a cup of tea, and he dozed off to sleep at the table a couple of times before I'd finished. He was still asleep with his head resting on the table when Millie got up and took a faded old calico wrapper from a nail behind the kitchen door. She put it on over the fresh one she, he, she was wearing, tied a cloth over her head, and took a, a milk bucket down from the pantry shelf. I could see she was going out to do the barn chores and said, I'll take care of the chores. I've done a lot of milking. All she said was, hmm, I pity the poor creatures, and went out through the summer kitchen. I couldn't just sit in the house and let a woman do the barn work, so I took my cap and followed her. When I got there, she was standing at the tie-up doorway, pulling a hair, a pair of old rubbers on her over her shoes. I tried again to get her to let me do the milking, but she said Clarabelle had a sore teeth and would kick the daylights out of me. She did let me slop the hogs and do the rest of the chores, though. When we were back to the house, Grandfather had gone to bed. Millie told me she had put my things in the front room at the head of the stairs, and she made me take my work shoes off before I went up. She came to the foot of the stairs while I was climbing them and whispered, That's Levi's room. If you go and get it all mussed up, I'll skin you alive. Then, without saying goodnight, she went back into the kitchen and closed the hallway door. There was just enough light left in the sky that I could see where the bed was and that a corner of the covers was turned back. I didn't bother to look for my suitcase or lamp, but took everything off except my BVDs and crawled in. I must have gone to sleep awfully quick because the next thing I knew, Millie was calling up the stairway. Get up! What be you, what be you calculating on sleeping the whole blessed day? It was just about as light as it had been when I went to bed. <laughs> Oh, he's got to constantly get used to this new life. Um, I love you.